0: Praise God, praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Glad you could join us here today. Before we get into today's message, let us uh, prepare to listen to some praise music. In this particular case, it's I Exalt Thee by Terry McAllman. And then we will get to the message, which, uh, by the way, is a uh, recorded sermon from actually in 2014 that the Holy Spirit laid on my heart repeatedly to uh, repost uh, on the uh, podcast site today so i hope you'll listen and listen to what's being said because it is uh, evidently if the lord is wanting this message to be relayed to be relayed that uh, um, it is of benefit to someone or some of you that's out there listening today so praise god i hope you'll be blessed and enjoy in the mighty name of jesus amen what a precious anointing Is in this house tonight. And it's all because of him. scripture reading comes from psalms chapter 1 verse 1 blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful
1: praise god thank you thank you all right praise god we'll come back and we will revisit that in a little bit but uh putting that putting that in context then the message for today is uh is entitled god is that you simply god is that you Over the last couple of weeks, and it seems like Holy Spirit is leading in this direction, and I will dwell here as long as as he tells me to, but we started a few weeks back with um, talking about open doors and doors closing in your life and how when God closes doors or permits doors to be closed for you or, or is preparing a door to be open for you, that our lives are under construction during that time. And we talked about how we should be um, behaving while we're waiting for God to continue the construction in our lives, you know, having patience and, and, and being at peace. And then we also talked about how we need to keep joy in our lives, okay, because the joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength, okay? And the devil knows that if he can replete our joy or take away our joy, that we become weak and open to so many other things in our lives. So we need to make sure that we have the joy of the Lord that's in our lives, okay? So we talked about all of that, but now, you know, as God has has things under construction, what do we do when God starts giving us direction? What do we do while our lives are under construction and God starts telling us what to do? Okay? I mean, how do I know I'm hearing from God? You know I mean? You hear all these other voices. You hear voices from people telling you what what you should do. I think it's a good idea if you go do this. I think you should do this. I think you should do this. In the meantime, God might not be ministering through that person, all right? We also hear the voice of the devil that would be telling us what to do. And if you are a child of God, if you're a Christian and you acknowledge that God exists, you have to also acknowledge that that devils exist, the devil exists, and that there are demons around us that would try to help hinder our development in God. You know, and if you don't believe that, then it means you're not believing what Jesus said because Jesus certainly talked about them. Jesus bound them up and cast them out. And you also, you're not believing what God would be saying because God speaks about them. It's in his word. Amen? So we need, need to think about these, this direction that we're on. Who are we listening to? There are many, many false voices that are out there in this world, okay? And again, don't take that from me. I never want to say don't believe because of what I'm saying. I'm not saying disbelieve me, but I'm saying don't take my word to be the final gospel truth because my word is not what counts, it's the word of God that counts. So let's go to 1 John, the first book of John. If we can't find it in the Bible relative to the things of God, then it's not important for us to be believing, or we shouldn't be so quickly believing it. All right? I think I said last week that if someone is challenging what you're saying and what you're quoting from Scripture and someone is saying otherwise, then the best thing to do is to tell them, well, show me. Show me in the Bible where it says what you are saying, because I can certainly show you in the Bible what I'm saying. Okay? And the Bible is, is what we as Christians, children of God, have to go by. So 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Okay, and we're talking about many, many voices that are, that are in the world, okay? And during this time of life, like I said, when our lives are being under construction like this while we're waiting for things to happen, we have to make sure that we're hearing from God and we're knowing it's God and not something else that's talking to us. Okay, so we're going to just start with verse number uh, 15. Okay? 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, please underline that, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust of it. But he that doeth the will of God abides, uh, abides forever. Abides forever. And and just let me pause there for a a moment here. Here, What it's saying is love not the world. That is, do not be so... Embraced and engrossed, uh, in, involved in the things of the world, lust of the eyes, lust of the of the flesh. These are these are things that many people go after, and it's absent God. You know, uh, lust of the eyes is you know maybe lusting after man or woman that you shouldn't, or it's lusting after material things. You know, it's being caught up in the world system. The world system does not operate the way God's system operates. We as His children operate differently from the world. Okay, so we can't put the world and things of the world before we do God, because it will certainly certainly get us into trouble. You know, if you're the kind of person that you just want to be popular with other people, and those people that are in the world, you want to be popular with them, then you're on the road to damnation because they're going to take you in a direction that's away from God. Then in verse number 18, it continues, Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many antichrists by which we know that it is the last time. Okay? Talking about antichrists. And right now there are many antichrists by which we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So what this is saying is that these are people who started with us started with us as, 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 as Christians, as this child, you know, a uh, uh, God-fearing, really followed the Word of God, you know, to every single jot and tittle, really, really followed it. But then at some point, they went astray. They went astray. They veered off and got involved with the world. They stopped believing, or they stopped following the things of God. They started out as good Christians, but somehow they got guided away. And we know how that's, how that's possible, and how they got guided away. So then what he is saying is that, he's saying that, that, that if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. So that means that if these people were really in with God, really in with Jesus, really were strong believers, they would not have drifted away. So what Jesus is saying here, what's being said through the word of God, and this is not Jesus speaking, but what the word of God here is saying is that if these people drifted away so easily, then how much were they really with us, you see? And that's something that we must, we must ask ourselves also. How much are we really with God if we are so easily led astray by things that other people say to us, that other voices say to us, all right? If you're really committed to God, then that's going to be unshakable. You're not going to be shaken from your, from your root. You won't be, okay? And this is something that you really, really, really need to think about privately here, about how unshakable are you? Because if we are around when and Jesus tarries and things continue to get the way they are, how many here would wind up denouncing Jesus Christ? Okay, If someone threatened to take your life or said, if you want your baby to eat, you, have, you need some bread, have some bread, okay? Okay, but now you've got to come away from Jesus, denounce Jesus Christ, all right? So how many of us are really, really committed? How easily can you be swayed to believe things that are not in the Bible? You see, and we all should ask ourselves that question because it's important. Because then the question is, how much were you really committed? If you can be pulled away that easily to believe any Tom, Dick, or Harry about what they say, especially when they can't back it up by the Bible then how committed are you really? All right? So what the Word of God is saying is that if they were with us, they would no doubt have continued with us, But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Please underline that, because this is speaking to you. You have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. All right? Everyone here that has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have Holy Spirit. You have an unction, and that unction means that an unction is something that you feel from God when he's talking to you. All right, and unction is the Holy Spirit is guiding you to say something or to do something, and you feel it. That that's in. You feel it in here. All right. The problem is, though, many times we just choose not to follow it, and we'll see as we go into this sermon, we'll see why we do. But we have an unction from the Holy One. All right. 21 says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth. Please underline. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Alright, so if you know the truth and know lies of the truth, why do we get pulled away by lies? Why do we get pulled away by things that are non-truths, okay? If you know what the truth is, you know, I mean, if if, if you know this projection screen here is white, hopefully you'll be pretty hard-pressed for someone to convince you it's green. Hopefully. I mean, okay, if someone is so easy, I mean, that screen is green. If you believe it like that easily, then you need to check yourself, you know. Well, you say, well, Pastor Cobb, that seems a little absurd, a little extreme. Well, yeah, but you'd be surprised how many people in our Christian walks do the same thing. Or, or, we will know something spiritually, but then the minute someone with a convincing voice comes along and tells us something different, we fall into the lie. But what is he saying you? He, um, uh, uh, you know all things. I have never written to you because you know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar, but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. Now that's easy, you don't need need much explanation about that. He is Antichrist, that denies the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that confesses the Son has the Father. He that confesses the Son has the Father. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. Now, remember last week we said what that word abide means when you're talking about abiding in Jesus. Abide means you live there. That means that you're not, you're not occasionally visiting God. You're not just touching base when you've got a problem in your life. You're not just going to there Him when there's something wrong, but you're living there, okay? Um, let, that, therefore, let that, therefore, abide in you. Let it live in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Okay? Now, it's mighty interesting that this whole thing is talking about the truth and things about God remaining in you. So if if, if this is being dwelt on a bit here, we're going to see more, then that means that if God is, is, finds it necessary to say this, that there's a possibility that that which remains in you can wind up being taken away from you. You see? You see? And, and, and that's up to us. That's up to us. You know? If you come to my house and you go in my garage and you say, I'm, I'm going to take your car. Well, you yeah, I, I got to say okay to that. Okay, you know, or any other possession that you have, you certainly would think twice about someone walking in your house and saying, I'm going to take this. But why are we so lax with the word of God? Okay, why don't we hold on to the word of God? My, my car lives in my lives in my garage, but lives in my house. Amen. It lives near me. Okay, all right. So the word of God lives in you. But why do we let it be taken away so easily? All right. And if God is making a point of saying this is for a reason. All right. Um, let that there for our verse number 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. please the line concerning them that seduce you, concerning them that seduce you. but the anointing which you have received of him abides in you and you need not that any man teach you but at the same but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie and even as it has taught you you shall abide in him powerful, powerful words. Please, please bracket or highlight all of that. All right? In, in verse number 26 there it says, um, I've written unto you uh, things concerning them that seduce you. There are people that are out there to seduce you. Okay? And that means to change your mind you know, and one that is seductive, you know, appeals to the senses. One that is subdu- seductive appeals to, you, to your senses. Alright? And, and, and is isn't something that necessarily hits you in the face right on because you may run away from it. But someone that seduces you, fills you gently and slowly with lies and half-truths until the next thing you know, you're believing the same thing that they're saying. That they're saying. And there are people like that. Um, uh, the, the devil would love for us Christians to fall. The devil would love for us to fall away from God and start doing other things. But really, 28 here, before we move on, to, um, 27 rather, the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. Highlight that, please. Especially highlight that. The anointing um, have received of him abides in you. You need not that any man teach you. So in other words, what this is saying here, that you don't need another man to teach you. All right. My role up here, by the way, as pastor, is to, is to, is to interpret the word of God, to preach the sermon and so on like that. But the bottom line, I am not your teacher. Holy Spirit is your teacher, okay? All right? If you walk away and and something comes up and you're praying over someone or you're binding up or rebuking something in your life, you're not saying, I rebuke you or I bind you up in the name of Pastor Cobb. Hope you don't be that foolish. Amen? Say, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit is the one that teaches you. I have a job here to do. I'm doing that job. But the one that really teaches you is Holy Spirit. Now, how do you know that? If that was the case, I could stand up and talk to a million people and they would all simply just believe. But they don't. They don't. Okay? I could stand with a microphone and preach to a million people, and they would all walk away believing. But they don't. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that brings revelation to that person saying, that word that I just heard from Pastor Cobb resonates with me. That's Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit in you that's doing the teaching. There's no man, all right? So that should make us doubly aware and cautious when we start having other people telling us what the Bible says and spouting things that we know are not true, okay? The Word of God is the Word of God, and we don't pick and choose, like we said last week, we don't pick and choose what we want out of the Word of God. It's all the Word of God, okay? The problem is, and I heard another pastor talking about this, Today um, um, uh, 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 about churches and things like that, and God bless large churches. I'm not saying that because we are small, but God bless large churches. But the reason why many large churches are large, and I'm not saying all of them, but the reason why many large churches are large because there they don't want to preach the unwatered, unwatered down word of God. Okay, and the people that come there feel comfortable because they feel I can still live my life. You know, I can drink, I can smoke, I can live this alternate lifestyle, I can do this, I can do that because they've picked certain parts out of the Bible, and that feels good to the people that are there, and they don't talk about the things in the Bible that tells us about restraint, that tells us about the things that we shouldn't be doing, okay? So what man has wound up doing all of these thousands of years and did all the way back in the beginning, back in days of antiquity, is that man has always tried to bring God down to man's level. You see, in other words, make God fit in with my lifestyle. If I like to do this, that, and the other, then I'm going to find those passages in the Bible that I think allows me to do this, that, and the other, because I want to make God Be like me. Instead of saying, I need to be like God. You see, that's where the rub is. That's where the rub is. And so until people get to the point that I want to really be like God, they reject many of the things that are in Scripture. Now, we're building a case here for why you need to know about all this before you can understand um, uh, what God is talking about. Um, Okay, did we do 4 yet? Okay, go to John 4. Okay, now we're talking about God is that you and how we understand. Okay, I'm sorry, 1 John 4. I'm sorry, I took you right out of where you were. 1 John 4. Just go right over to the fourth chapter. Okay, we're getting to the point here about God is that you. Now that you're working in my life, how do I know it's you? How do I hear your voice and how do I know it's you? While while my life is under construction. 1 John 4, and we'll start with verse number 1. Beloved... Believe not every spirit. Okay? Believe not every spirit. But test or try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. By this know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And that is that spirit of Antichrist. This is line, spirit of Antichrist. Of which you have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Now, what this is saying, the previous scriptures talked about Many people think about Antichrist and they think about the big Antichrist, you know, when the time comes for the showdown. What he's saying, what the scripture is saying is that there are many Antichrists out there. These are all of these people, all of these concepts that are against Jesus. They're out there now, you know. This is not the Antichrist, but there are many Antichrists, those that don't believe that Jesus is, that Jesus says he is. And this is that spirit of Antichrist of which you have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So please underline that if you don't already have it underlined, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The he that he's talking about obviously is Holy Spirit. Alright? So if you've got Holy Spirit that's in you, that means Holy Spirit that is in you is greater than any spirit that's out there. Alright? So as you're waiting for God to guide you through this new life of construction, you have to understand that the Spirit of God that's in you is greater than any spirit that's going to come from another man that's going to try to discourage you or try to send you off in a direction that's not where God wants you to go. So that means we have to learn to rely on Holy Spirit. But what we get from here now, the word of God is telling us is to try the spirits. So that means that when someone comes into your life and is trying to tell you what to do just don't go taking that hook, line, and sinker. Alright, you're praying for something to happen in your life Looking for a new house, a new car, a new job Or whatever it may be And someone is coming along giving you advice and whatnot. Just don't accept it on face value Alright, you know, you need to try the spirits Test, where is this person coming from Where is this voice coming from There are basically three sources Of voices in our lives One is the devil Okay, one is God And the other one is self Alright, and we're going to talk about all three Self, many times, will sound like God because yourself is not going to really tell you anything that's going to be harmful to you. Yourself may not tell you where God wants you to go, all right, but it's not going to tell you anything that's harmful, not unless you're what, what's uh, masochistic, they think, or something, you know, you just love pain, putting pain in your life, all right, so self, but, but you need to be able to separate the three voices. When the, so now go to James 3. James 3. James 3. Okay. Yeah. When, when there's the devil or some evil spirits are speaking... There are certain things that are so made evident, all right? So in other words, you're praying for something in your life to, to come about, you know, and you're getting input, you're hearing these voices, and these voices not necessarily are, are in your head, but you're hearing them from people or advice that you're gathering and so forth, all right? In the, uh, in the book of James, we're going to go to the third third chapter, and we're going to go to verse number 14. James 3. Verse fourteen, James is on page thirteen thirty, in my Bible. <laughs> I caught you, I caught you. <laughs> okay, James, little book right before little Peter and so forth. All righty, okay, James uh, three verse number fourteen. James three four, number fourteen. If you have, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, who's in the line? Bitter envying and strife. If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, demoniacal. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Okay, please in the line. Where envying and strife is, there is every evil work. Okay, now, this is one that is so easily evident to you. Um, if you're alert and you're letting holy spirit guide you so you know and we all know people that are like this whenever you're around there's confusion there's strife you know there's bickering there's arguing you always know that there's contention, okay? We all know people like that. And there are some folks that I just refuse to go on trips with. You know, I did this one time, and boy, oh, boy, it was sheer, you know, 80s. And i vowed, and I'm talk- I'm going back some 30 years probably, and I have never been on a trip again because I refuse to go. Because whenever they're around them, there's always that strife. There's confusion, you know. Where that is, not my words, what does it say again? Let's just re- reread it. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Confusion is not of God, okay? If your life, by the way, is, you feel like it's a confused mess and you don't know where it's heading and you're just kind of barreling along, you need to pray, you need to get it back in line because when God is in your life, there's no confusion. There's no confusion. I'm not saying there won't be trials and tribulations. I'm not saying you won't have church, um, troubles and challenges. What did Jesus say, you know? But there won't be just this utter confusion and strife, you know, where there's envying and strife. You're, you're around people that are constantly envious all the time, and usually these people are the ones that stir up strife, people that are jealous of you and always stirring up strife that are around you. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. You know, because this is not of God. Not my words, the word of God. Okay? For so where everything is right, is it is confusing every evil work. Okay? So that's one way to know that. If you are seeking something from God, and if you're wondering, you're waiting for God to do something in your life, the people that you're around, or the things that you're hearing, or the answer to what you are seeking, or what you think is God, if there's confusion there, and what you think the answer is, that's not of God. Okay, if what you think you're hearing from God and telling you what to do, Lord, should I move here, you know, should I buy this house or buy this house or that house, you know, and there's confusion and there's a whole lot of strife in that process, you need to leave that real estate agent alone. You need to move on. Okay, if, if in getting a particular job, there's a lot of confusion and strife, and, and that's not of God. So you know that's not God telling you to go there. That's the point I'm making. When God is telling you to go someplace, it's going to be easy. It's not going to be filled with this. All right. The other, the other one that we can look at is, um, is, is Romans 8. Go to Romans 8. These are signs. There are tons of others in the Bible, but you know, I can't keep you here all week, even though I'd love to. I mean, I could preach this message for you, you know, nonstop, because there's so much that the Bible talks about uh, on this subject. Okay? Again, now, this is when your life is under construction. You're waiting for God to tell you what you you need to do, what steps you need to take, what actions you need to take. We're going to go to Romans 8. We're going to go to verse number 15. 14. We'll start with 14. Romans 8, verse number 14. Romans eight, verse number fourteen. Praise God, and I'm, I'm not in I'm not in any hurry. I'm going to let Holy Spirit wait for everyone to get there. We're not going to not going to rush the Holy Spirit that at all. Okay. Romans eight, start with verse number fourteen. For as many as are led on the line led for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay. So that says a mouthful right there. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a son of God. Okay, and that's what we need to do. We need to let God lead us. We need to let God lead us in our lives. Verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again, on the line again, to fear. Fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, our Father. All right? So where it says, ye, write the word, I, if you don't already have it in there, just write the word, I, so that the next time when you read this, you'll see in there, for I have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Okay, now, if this thing that you're looking for, where you're asking for guidance while your life is under construction, if the thing that you think you're hearing is what God is telling you to do, if there's fear there, that's not of God. Okay, if, if fear is there in that decision, it's not of God. If God is telling you to do something, you're going to be at peace about it. God has not given us a spirit again unto fear. Now, the reason why it says again, because at one time you had that spirit of fear. When you came to the Lord Jesus Christ and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, that spirit of fear can no longer have a hold of you. You just have to rebuke him in your life. You have to rebuke him. You know, sometimes on a daily basis, maybe on an hourly basis. When you start feeling that that fear creep up in your life, when you're worried about something, you're fearful about something that you're praying about, and if you think it's coming to pass, first of all, you need to rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, and you you recite that scripture, I have not been given a spirit uh, of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind is another scripture that it talks about. But here it says that you've been given the spirit of adoption. Now, what does the spirit of adoption mean? That means that when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, guess what happened to you? You are adopted into God's family. You're adopted into God's family. That means that you're a child of God. All right, so that spirit of fear cannot hang around your life. It cannot be there. Alright? so we see there that that, that uh, um, if that fear is there and if there is doubt, then we know this is another way that is not of God. The other thing that we say, if the if the um, if the unction or what you're feeling or what you think you're hearing is is uh, not of God and is coming from the devil or an evil spirit, let's go to Genesis chapter three and we will see also another signpost is that is what God is saying to me is what is what I think I'm hearing, is it in line with God's word? All right. Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three. Okay. If someone is trying to give you advice or someone is trying to tell you where to go, the way of good signpost is simply ask yourself, is what I'm hearing in line with the word of God? All right? if what the person is saying to you or telling you to do or any action like that if it's not in line with the word of God you know it's not God telling you to do it God is not going to tell you you know the By- Ten Commandments everything else you know it says do not kill so if you think you're, you're praying about a job and you see something in the newspaper looking for a hit man okay now you know I, so I prayed about it I think this may be the job for me <laughs> okay easy big bucks all right? Okay, big bucks. Good, good job for me. You know? Now, again, I'm making an extreme example here to illustrate a point. Is that in line with God's word? Okay, obviously not. God says you shall not kill. You see? see. But many times we wind up going into positions or taking things or buying a house or buying a car or being involved with people, and we think this is what God wants us to do, and all we have to do is simply say is read the word of God and say, is this in line with God's word? Because if it's not in line with God, with his word, guess what? God's not going to be telling you to do it. He's not. He's not going to have you on your knees praying to him to help, help you with a situation or to, to get something for you and then turn around and tell you something that's against his word. In the first place, God simply cannot do that. All right? The only thing in this whole universe that is true and doesn't change is God's word. Okay? Simply because of the fact God cannot change his word. Cannot because he's God. If God was able to change his word, then that means that everything else that he laid out there is untrue. Or or, 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 is tenable, if you, if you want to say. All right, all right. This is why you have to. and a little bit, digressing a little bit here, but I'm feeling I don't want you to go there. Um, this is why, when you hear people talking about, um, this is the 21st century, and the Bible is old-fashioned. The the, the, the Earth has evolved. The United States has evolved. The Word of God has not evolved and is not evolving. The word of God is the same as it, went, as it was and what it meant back in antiquity, and it's the same thing that it means and it is today. So if you hear people start talking about, well, we're living in modern times now. The church is too strict, or God is doing this, the, you know, so, so God has changed. God, God loves everybody. Yeah, God does indeed love everybody, but there's constraints. And there's restrictions on that, too. God says, that it's not my will that anyone on this earth should perish. However, <laughs> however, all right? God's only going to be patient, but for so long. So all these people that think they're getting away with a wild card in life, they think they're getting away with a freebie in life by saying, well, God must have evolved because the United States has evolved. or God, the earth has changed. We're living in modern times. Guess what? They're going to be in for a rude awakening on Judgment Day. Because God's word doesn't change. God himself says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right? So that means that those people that are saying that God's word is evolving, that means that they're challenging God because God is the one that said his word doesn't change. So now if you're going to be up there preaching that God's word evolved because the United States has evolved, it's the 21st century, that means you're challenging God. All right? And you certainly don't want to be following someone that talks like that or believes that or is trying to give you advice. That's the last thing that you, that you want to do. All right? So we see here in Genesis chapter 3, and we know these scriptures, um, you know, we've been there before, but uh, chapter 3 talks about when the serpent, and, you know, came to the garden and was, uh, um, you know, telling Eve to eat. And just basically, if you just look at um, look at, look at uh, verse number three, just to recap, the very bottom, and, and it says that, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every uh, tree, tree of the garden? Verse number two, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, um, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it unless you die. But then what does the serpent say? Then the serpent says to the woman, you shall not surely die. So God just simply does not, does not, does know that in the day you eat of it, that your eyes shall be open and you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. You see, now that's a flat out lie flat out lie in your face, okay you see so what'm so what i 'm saying is if when you 're praying to God and you know that your life is under construction and God is building something and something that you 're hearing from someone or from some place or whatever is flat out against the Word of God or twisting the word of God that 's not God telling you what it is he wants you to do for your life because god 's word will not negate god 's advice god 's direction will not negate or go against his word, okay it simply will not. The devil is very very good at doing that. Um, Oh, I, I can't do that. Um, you know, someone, family member, loved one, friend, boss, co worker, something. Oh, won't you come on and join us in doing that and doing that? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to do that. I, you know, well, why not? Well, that's not me. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, where'd you get that from? Oh, the scripture says that I shall not do so and so. I said, I'll Oh, that's not what that scripture says. You know, surely you won't die. God didn't mean that, doesn't mean that. God just knows that if you go and do that, that you're going to be like him. So it's okay for you to do that, you see. Now you, you look at me and you say, now who would be dumb enough to do something like that? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised, because it's on much smaller things, it's in much more subtle ways that people have us doing things that's not in line with the Word of God, but they twist the Word of God till we get to the point that we believe it, the way Eve did, and she ate of the apple, ate of the apple, you see? So be aware of that in your life, especially while your life is under construction the way it is, because you're waiting for God to open this door, you know, and we're all anxious. We all want door number three, two, one, or whatever it is to open for us, you know, so we're anxious to go through. But be aware of the fact that if this is not the door that God has chosen for me, then it's not the right door. Amen? Amen? And so you will have those that will try and negate God's word. Now, let's look at what happens when self speaks, okay, and self speaks. Go back to James again. James uh, chapter 1. Okay, when self-speaks. Okay, and, and I will tell you, you know, I mean, I am always honest with everyone here, and honest, especially <laughs> always honest, I and mean, I preach the word based on what the Holy Spirit has given me, you know. But um, when self-speaks, boy, oh boy. You know, I, I subscribe to these gadget magazines, and I get these gadget emails, you know, that's got the latest electronics out there. And boy, oh boy, I could pray, you know, God, do I need this? And man, and by the time I finish the prayer, I think God's, yeah, you need it. Yeah, you need it. Yeah, you need it. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, yeah. God, oh, yeah. You, matter of fact, I'm going to make you get it quicker. You see? You see? All right. Okay. Because I love that device. I love that gadget, So I can very easily have myself sound like God because it's something that I want. You see, and that's what we have to be careful of, okay, because the self can be very, very deceptive, all right? The self will have you wanting something that God may not want you to have, you see, but it's because it appeals to you, you know? God will always give us what we need, not necessarily what I want, okay, but God will always give you what I need, okay? Yourself will 100%, 2,000% give you what you want. Okay, Alright, if yourself was God and you're praying to yourself for something, you will always give yourself what you want, you see, but that may not be in line with God's word. So while our lives are under construction and waiting for God to point out which door is going to open up for us, we need to make sure that it's not self that's telling us to go through door number two. All right, so what did I say, Uh, book of uh, James, chapter one, and we're going to start with um, verse two. We were here for some of this a couple of weeks back, I believe. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and various temptations, knowing this, that the testing of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Okay? One of the things why again, you know, God has things, trials come into our lives, because also it helps us to develop patience. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, and upbraids not, and it shall be... Given him. Alright, so what God is saying there is that if you want wisdom or you're trying to decide for something, Lord, what's the smart way I should do? To simply ask Him. Simply ask God. You know? You know? The reason why many of us don't have answers from God or don't hear God is because we don't ask. You know? And the reason why many of us don't have very victorious lives or victory in our lives is up and down like this is because we don't believe. We don't really believe Him. You know? So we ask of God and God will tell us and then we don't believe what He's telling us to do. You see? But it says to ask Him, He will give it to you. Verse number 6. But let Him ask in faith. There's the key. With nothing wavering. Underline that, please. But let Him ask in faith with nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, okay? So if you're going to ask God something in faith, don't be wavering. you got to go there in cold, hard faith, all right? Not wavering. Because if you waver in your faith, one minute you're believing, the next minute you're not, one minute you're wavering, it's, it, it, it's like a wave being tossed in the sea. Now we've all seen been to the beach, and you see how the waves are tossed back and forth by the wind and so on, and what, what causes it. All right, so, so let him end. All right? it, 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 it's like a sea, um, like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now please bracket that, because a lot of people don't realize that, that if you're going to God and your faith is wavering, that you're not going to receive anything of him. You know, you can't be someone that can't be steadfast in, 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 in your faith. You know, you know, where was it in Scripture there where it says, um, God says many times, it says, hold fast to that which thou hast. Hold fast to that which thou hast. That's your faith. So if God is telling us to hold fast to it, what does hold fast mean? It means to hold tightly. That means that your faith can be taken away from you if you let it be taken away from you. All right? But it says, for let that man that thinks he shall receive anything of the Lord. Um, Verse number 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. This is the line, that. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay? Double-minded is someone who changes back and forth. Okay? Today I'm up, tomorrow I'm down. Today I'm happy, tomorrow I'm sad. Today, I, I want to do this. Tomorrow, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to do this. And you're bouncing back and forth. So the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So what that is saying there is that if you're double-minded, like that, if you're always flopping back and forth, then that means that you're not having faith in God, and how, and, how, and how stable is your faith in God? How strong and how fast are you holding your faith in God? You see? And if you're not holding your faith in God strongly and fastly, then you are unstable, because what does that mean? That means the devil can come along and tip you over. If I stand with both my feet firmly planted, you know, and either you try to push me this way, you're going to have a little bit of trouble, a little bit, not unless you take a run. You You have a little bit of trouble, but if I stand on one leg, it's a lot easier to knock me over. Why? Because I'm unstable, okay? So if your spiritual life is unstable, your faith life is unstable, the devil's going to knock you over like that. That coupled with the fact that he can easily lie to you, he can tell you it's okay to eat of the apple, It's okay to take this job. It's okay to be friends with that person. It's okay to do what that person is telling you to do. Why? Oh, yeah, I've known this person all my life. So what? The devil's known that person all their life, too. Do you want to go following what they're telling you to do? Satan knows them hook, line, and sink, and may, maybe have them hook, line, and sink. You're going to go following what they're telling you to do, you see? So you're believing one minute, and one minute you're not. One minute you're up, and one minute you're down. One minute you're feeling happy, and one minute you're sad. One minute you got faith in God, and the next minute you're cursing God. The next minute you're wondering, you know, that's, that's unstable. And if you're unstable like that, boy, you are a target for the devil, because he will come and knock you over. So you got to get your faith straight, all right? And the only way to get your faith straight is you. I can't do that for you. Guess what? Not even God can do that for you. Not even God. Okay? We are the owners and the protectors of our faith. God lays out the construct in which we live. God lays it all out. He gives us the Bible. We've got Holy Spirit. Jesus went to the cross. But that final thing, that final thing that means so much to us in our day-to-day lives, as well as into eternity, God will not force force on us. He will not force you to have faith. Faith is entirely up to you. No one can do it for you. Amen? Amen? So that's the decision there. So, so you have to make a decision there to not be unstable. Because when you're doing that, um, then you, you know, you're, you're opening the door then to be listening to self, because then you're vacillating back and forth based on what yourself is saying. You follow what I'm saying? You, know, you follow what I'm saying? You know, if you're that unstable with whatever yourself is telling you to do at that particular time, that's what you're going to wind up doing. Oh, it seems like a good job for me to take. Oh, it seems like a good person to be friends with. Oh, it seems like a good seems like a good food to eat. As the inches creep, you know, it seems like a good, you know. Okay, you know, if I prayed to God about a strawberry shortcake, I can guarantee you I'll tell you that God told me to have two slices. Okay? <laughs> Alright? Okay? Okay? Because I like strawberry shortcake. Okay? So that's me. That's myself. That's the point that I'm making. Okay? And that's what you have to make have to make up now. At the same time that I'm hearing, before I slice that thing and put that in my mouth, that I gotta say now, is this what God would really want me to do? Okay? That's the check and the balance. That's checking the balance, all right? So what you're hearing Make sure that it's not yourself. As your life is being under construction and God is preparing to open a door for you, whatever offers you might be hearing, whatever things you might be hearing, you know, and that you're entertaining to do, to follow up on, make sure it's God and not yourself. Because yourself will always do what you think is best for you. It may not be in line with the Word of God. Okay, again, unless there's you know a, 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 a mental disorder or something like that where you're, you're not... You're not able to act in your own self-best interest, all things being equal. We will always act in our own self-best interest because that's how we are. But you got to make sure it's not out of line with God's Word. Okay, that's self. So finally now, at the end of the day, God speaking. Okay? Don't you never get there, huh? God speaking. Let's go to the book of John, Big John. The Gospel of John. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. When God is speaking to you while you're training there, while you're, when God is speaking to you, if you know God, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, if you know God, there's, there's a peace. There's a peace in you. I don't know any other way to describe it. There's a peace in you. There's a knowing in you. There's a warmth in you. There's a sense of well-being in you where you just simply know this is of God, you know. And if anyone doesn't know that experience, my heart goes out and I pray that you come to know that experience. That when you know it's God and God is with you, that you have this peace that, what the scriptures say, passes all understanding, you know. You know it's God. You just simply know it's God, okay. you just You just know it's God, okay. When that is around you and you're at peace, there's no strife, there's no bickering, There's no unsettled, there's no up and down feeling. You just know that this is right. Um, That's God. This is God's voice when when you hear that. So, chapter John, chapter John, John chapter 10. That's a new book. John chapter 10. And we're just going to start with verse 24. 24. Then came the Jews around about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. They're asking Jesus, are you really Jesus? If thou be the Christ or the anointed one, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you believe not. He's in the line, you believe not. I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not. Underline that again. But you believe not. And this goes back to what we were saying before, that there are many Christians who simply just don't believe because they don't know the words. and so They don't believe. That they're quick to say they do, but they don't. And you can tell by their lives and their lifestyle that they don't believe. But, but you believe not because you are not of my sheep. This is the line, you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you before. Now listen to this. My sheep hear my voice. Underline, hear my voice. And I know them. Underline, I know them. And they follow me. On the line, they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Okay, so there's no way can you be plucked out of the hand of Jesus. So what this is saying is that if you're one of Jesus' sheep, you know his voice, and you follow him. Okay? And you follow him. And because of that, no one's going to take you out of the hand of Jesus. All right? You've got to know Jesus' voice, right? My sheep follow me. Why? Because they know my voice, you see. And I don't know if any of you have been there, but someone, anyone that you love and really care about, when our kids were growing up, maybe some of you that have children have experienced the same thing, you can be in a store and you can hear a child down another aisle and you'll turn around and you'll think, that's so-and-so. And you think that's your child, okay, because the voice sounds so much, because you recognize that voice, okay? I knew the sound of my father. I knew the sound of my mother's voice, you know, especially when she called me when I was out too late. Michael, like, oh, come home. Oh, that's mom. Couldn't see her. And then it was mom. Why? Because you know your mom's voice, okay? Why? Because you did what? You've done what? You abided with her. You abided with her. You lived with her. That's how you came to know her voice. You spend a whole lot of time with her. That's how you know, you know their voice. Okay, My sheep know my voice. Okay? If you're spending time with Jesus, you'll know his voice. When you're praying about that door, one, two, or three, where as your life is under construction, you're wondering which one God is going to send you through, and God is talking to you, you'll know his voice if you're spending time with him. Okay, Let's continue here. Um, verse 29. My father... Who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now, this is talking about you, okay? All right. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father, I and my Father are one, okay? So we hear right there where Jesus is talking about, about his sheep knowing his voice. Now, let's go to John 16. John 16. This is all about how do you know it's God. Well, if you're spending enough time with God, John 16, and we're going to start at verse number 13. Okay, well, we start at 12. Number 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them right now. You can't bear them now. Nevertheless, when he... The Spirit of Truth, underline the Spirit of Truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. Underline guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatever He shall hear, meaning from the Father, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Okay? He'll show you things to come. Alright? When the Spirit of Truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatever He shall hear, that shall He say to you and he shall show you things to come. Okay? Now he was talking about Holy Spirit. We know that Holy Spirit could not come until Jesus was ascended to heaven. Okay, it was after that the Spirit was poured out in the second chapter of Acts. But what he's saying is that his Spirit will lead you into all truth. So you're looking for that, that door, one, two, or three, while your life is under construction. Remember that hearing from God, how you know it's him, is that he's going to be leading you into truth. And it's going to be confirming and tying right back into the word of God. He's not going to be telling you anything that, that is outside of the word of God. And this is the Holy Spirit that is with you. Then he continues here and he says, um, he shall glorify me. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Now, under the, you see how many times he said, show it unto you, show it unto you, show it unto you. Last week, or the week before last, I talked about um, um, uh, 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 people who were who are in the occult, you know. And many times, people think that just because, and these are not my words, The word of God speaks about spirit of discernment, giving you things where you can see and and you'll know things and whatnot. This is God saying that he gives his children that, that ability, all right? But there are many people who are bordering on blasphemy when they say this, but they think that that's something, you know, twilight zone or something like that. The word of God says that God will show you all things and will show you things to come. And will show you things to come, all right? All we need to worry about is I'm not worried about what's the future of the stock market, you know, or, or what stocks we want to sell. All I want to know is, Lord, am I going to be able to do this? Will I be able to do that? God will indeed tell you these things relative to your life, in your time, and as he so sees fit. He may not show you out 20 years. He may not show you out, you know, next week or whatever. But as you have the need to know, God will tell you. God will t- and God will give you that peace. You know, God, should I apply for this? Should I buy this house? Should I buy this car? Should I meet this person? Should I be with this person? God will speak to your heart and he will tell you and tell you things to come. Many times you will get an unction in your spirit that, oh boy, I just feel like if I go down that path, this is not going to work. Or he's not for me or she's not for me. Or if I go in that direction, and this is where you start feeling antsy and and your spirit inside feels unsettled, this could be Holy Spirit telling you, don't go there. Okay? Don't go in that direction. Don't do this. You don't know how many times I've changed parking spaces. I kid you not. Changed parking spaces, I start going in there and I feel the unction. Don't choose that spot over there. Okay? Okay, and how do I know this? Many years ago when I had that feeling, and I pulled into that parking space, and I went on into the store, and it was Best Buy. Give them a plug, see? Lord, probably you want me to go to Best Buy. Now that I think of now that I, think of, I probably shouldn't have gone to Best Buy. <laughs> but I went on in that parking space, and when I came out, there was a big old dent in my front bumper, and a witness that was there that took down the license plate said a guy that was parking in front of me, and I saw him, a big old truck with a hitch, trailer hitch on it, And when he went to pull out, he backed up by mistake and slammed into my car and left a big old dent in there, okay? And I saw that thing, and I said, maybe I shouldn't park there, see? But I didn't listen because I was such a hurry to get into the store, see? I I remember that as clear as day, okay? And periodically, just like right now, Holy Spirit brings it back to remembrance, you know, so I can share it, and then I don't forget about it. And to this day, I will go into a parking space. There may not be a truck there with that trailer hitch, but if I get this unction inside, don't park, I won't park there. And Tanya, my wife, will say many times, why did, why, why did you pull out of there? And I said, no, nah, I feel like, she, oh, and she knows, she, she won't say anymore. She knows, okay? So that's where you need to be relative to the Holy Spirit and relative to your life when it's under construction, as God is building it. There may be things that will come up in your life, there may be offers, opportunities, whatever it might be, and the Holy Spirit may say to you, no, nah, you don't want to take that one. You don't want to take that one. You don't want to go there. Okay? Okay. So so this is how you begin to know that this is Holy, Holy Spirit will indeed guide you. And lastly, lastly, in closing here, um, Psalm, go back to Psalm 1. Lastly, in closing... Psalm 1, and just re- going back and recapping what Brother Brandon read, starting with 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now you see why that opening scripture fits. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So In other words, what you don't want to do, you don't want to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't want to go taking advice from someone that's ungodly. Okay, You don't want to go doing that. You know, as you're praying for God to develop your life, your life's under construction, you're waiting for this door to open for you and so forth, you don't want to go taking advice from someone that you know is ungodly. You know that. I don't care what it is they may be offering you. You don't want to go taking that advice. If it doesn't, doesn't line up with the Word of God, you don't have that peace that's in your spirit. I don't care how much you like them. I don't care how much you love them. I don't care how much you know them. You know, you, you know they're an ungodly person. You say, don't want to take that. You don't want to take their counsel because they're not going to give you anything good. You know? The problem is also that many times we wind up following after people and these people don't even have our best interests at heart. You know, you'll find someone that's jealous of you, envious of you, for whatever reasons. They, 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 you know, because you are following God, in, in many cases, because you are following God, they will deliberately give you ungodly counsel to see if you'll fall, because they want to see you fall. You know? So this is, again, this is where it goes back to us being led by the Spirit and being connected to the vine. You know? And knowing the voice, knowing Jesus' voice. What did he say? That my sheep know his voice. The only way you can know his voice is by actually studying the, uh, the word. Okay, now, all right, so verse number two. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law, does he do what? Underline, meditate day and night. Okay. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And as a result, verse number three, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Please underline, the line bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Okay? So what this is saying is that the way to accomplish all that we talked about today is by meditating on the Lord, on the Lord, or the law of the Lord, or the word the word of God day and night. Right? If you want to learn to know Jesus' voice, the only way you're going to do that is by meditating on his word. Okay? And abiding, abiding in it, spending time with him in prayer. Asking Holy Spirit for guidance. That's the only way you're going to do it. And you, and you have to do this meditating day and night. And as a result, you shall bring forth its fruit in its season. Now, bringing forth fruit is us prospering. And the interesting thing it says there, in its season. Everything in your life is in God's season. It's in God's season. All right? Whereas to us it may seem like it's long overdue. Or it's like, you know, God was taking you so long, you know, but it's all in God's season. All right. As I said before, last week, the very first lesson we had in this is that while that door is shut and it's under construction, you can just imagine, close your eyes, that God is back there with a bunch of angels busily hammering and nailing and putting things together, building whatever this is God wants to you. And it's going to be in his season. All right. And again, I know. You know, as a baby Christian, I rushed God along on several things, you know, and wound up, find out later on, gee, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, thank God God loves me enough for it not to be anything really, really harmful. But now that in these latter years I see where that, you know, God keeps telling us in his Word to let him do things, but we as human beings always want to do it ourselves and we want to rush him. You can't rush God. It's got to be in His season. When it's in His season, you shall bring forth fruit. Remember what we read about fruit bearing? Okay, there's four types of fruit. Where your life is bearing no fruit, that's where you're not achieving anything unfruitful. Then there's bringing forth fruit. Okay, that's that's better. But then you get to the point that you're bringing forth more fruit. That's better still. But the ultimate place is much fruit. Much fruit. Because when you get to the point where your life is bringing forth much fruit, what does the word say? That's when you're glorifying God. Okay? When you're not bearing fruit, you're not glorifying God. You're not through your life. If you're not being fruitful, all right, you get to the point, a progressive thing, where you're bearing much fruit, that's when you're glorifying God in your life. That's when people around you can say, Boy, you see what she did? You see what he said? Did he... Look at his life. word of God again. By their fruits you shall know them. Simple as that. Before you start taking someone someone uh, that 's going to guide your life and you 're taking advice from them, look at their life. what kind of fruit are they bearing? Are they glorifying God and are they glorifying God in their life you know i 'm not going to model myself after al Capone, you know something like that, you know oh yeah, I want to be like Al. yeah, sure All right? so so, so, so you need to think you know are they bearing fruit by their fruit, you shall know them All right? so there again, in, in closing um. If you want all of this to come to pass while your life is under construction, you need to meditate, meditate on God's word day and night. That's the key. Meditating on his word and abiding in Jesus. And as you go forth, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, well, I don't guarantee you, the Word of God guarantees you, the Word of God guarantees you that if you follow these steps and if you listen to His voice and you, you follow what He has to say and let everything fall out in God's season, that you'll be guided into the right place. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Praise God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. Now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offering.